You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast, brought to you by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. We have you covered for Lakers content daily. Got a great crew of writers over there as well. Uh, check out Harrison, Christian, everybody else. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast network and follow us on Twitter at LakersSBN. Uh, recording this on a Thursday, just before the Lakers play OKC. Ugly week of weather in L.A. It's been nothing but rain since Sunday, but it's supposed to clear up. We're sitting at 4-7 and seven since LeBron got hurt. We have on uh, newly hired Yahoo Sports NBA reporter, also fellow Canadian, C-Rat Sohi. C-Rat, congrats on the news. What's going on today? Thank you. appreciate that. I just want to say, are you really, uh, are you really starting off a podcast from L.A. complaining about the weather while you're talking to a Canadian? <laughs> yes, In January? You know what? I've been spoiled you know, being, for a being a Canadian yourself. I just, I just figured we would, you know, we wouldn't have to deal with things like this. <laughs> what's, it, what's it like in Toronto? It's freezing, of course. And it's going to get worse over the weekend, of course. It's, it's not like they'd ever save the good weather for, uh, for the weekend here. They just don't do that. Well, you might be, you might be in L.A. soon. And, and you know what? I, I would say about 48 weeks of the year I've had no complaints so far. Fair so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I hear it's pretty nice down there. It is, it is pretty good. Uh, I'll start off with this one. You know what? You just started off with Yahoo, actually got hired, uh, I believe, back in December. Uh, how excited were you when you heard you got the gig? Oh, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I was thrilled. It was definitely, like, you know, it was a process. We'd been talking for, for a while, and then, you know, I was, you know, I was pretty confident. But then, like, just being Canadian, you just don't really know what's going to happen. That's, I've run into that situation a bunch of times. So, yeah, I just, uh, you know, when I got the call, it was, it was very... I was relieved. I was extremely happy and, you know, I was just excited. All right. Well, we're looking forward to doing your work. If you haven't had a chance, check out her last uh, work on Kevin Knox of the Knicks. Uh, it was pretty good when he just came out earlier this week. Don't forget to check out C-Rad on uh, Twitter as well. T- change from Damien Triller now to C-Rad Sohi, right? What what, what brought that about? You know, I just, I just felt like it was time. I made, I can't, I can't <laughs> even remember when I made that username. I think it was, I think it must've been my second year of university and yeah, I just thought it was probably time to to be a little bit professional with it, especially <laughs> since I'm actually in locker rooms right now, as opposed to just yelling in front of a TV. So yeah, I just I felt like it was it was just uh, an evolution, I guess, in, in that sense. And you know, what if I interview Dame one day? <laughs> it's gonna be kind of weird if if, if uh. You know, my, my username suggests I'm, like, his number one fan or something. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely not going to cut it. <laughs> in the, in the yeah, no. But he's probably looking, like, who is this psycho, man? What is, what is she doing over there? Yeah, yeah, just sending the Trailblazers, uh, a, a, like, PR and email, and they Google me, and they're like, oh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, that, maybe that'd be more reason for them to be like, yeah, no, come come through, come through, please. Yeah, you might have, been the, you might have got hired as your team reporter. That you should yeah, that's, that, true. Right? that's true, that's <laughs> true. Um, as I mentioned off the top, Lakers in OKC tonight haven't been playing pretty good since uh, LeBron went down. Obviously, it's going to hurt your team a little bit when you use, lose a guy of LeBron's stature. But I honestly didn't think they would look as bad as they have. They look out of sync offensively. Uh, a lot of people have been questioning Luke Walton, but Jeannie Buss is reportedly very confident in him, said he'll be at least sticking out the season. What do you think of his performance as a coach so far? Yeah, I think he, I think he has one of the most thankless jobs in the NBA right now. I mean, it's... Like people always say, it's always like a thankless job to have to to coach LeBron. You never get credit, and then you know when you add the pressure of being the coach of the Lakers onto that, and with how they're playing, I, I definitely. I mean, I think there's definitely some things you could do differently. Like, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you know, it's just this is a team that kind of has mismatched talent, and LeBron. 
starting to bring it together and they were playing really well and then it kind of the, the thing that happens to every LeBron team sort of happened you start playing well with them and then when you lose him you don't know what to do because this codependency starts developing so I think it's just like he's he's kind of in a situation that I think pretty much any NBA coach would uh would find himself in it's just it's just tough right now because I think I think people just feel like something has to be done and when when that's the feeling that's usually when the coach finds himself under the hot seat because that's the easiest thing to do and in like I mean I understand the impulse for sure I mean their this team is legitimately I think at risk of making the playoffs and I never thought that that would be the case I just you know I just it was like oh it's a LeBron team like they're gonna make the playoffs like let's stop with the silly story but now we're really looking at it and like they have the toughest schedule up ahead and they're on the road a lot like I I get the anxiety I just I don't know what change that the coach is going to do right now no I, I agree with you and and you know it's, it's funny like Rich Ball today said he doesn't care if LeBron has to sit out six weeks I'm not saying that's how long he's going to miss I mean he's clear to practice uh in the coming week next week but uh, you know it, I think it's exposed a lot of holes in this team too and, and you mentioned how the easy route is always to be like hey it's, it's Luke Walton's fault you know the coach has to go because people would complain even when they were winning with LeBron you know people commenting on some of the stuff online and being like you got to get fired of the coach but I, I think Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka have gotten a bit of a, a pass for their performance in the front office especially leading into this season yeah everybody kind of thought when they signed Lance Stevenson and Rondo and Beasley everybody's like what what are they doing and but they explicitly said they're doing this because they want to surround LeBron with these type of players. Yeah. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you think about Magic and, and, and Rob Palenka's job in, in the front office, really, over their first season and a half now? Well, you know, I think it was, I think it was definitely an interesting choice to decide that, you know, for, for a guy that, for the precedent of his entire career, has been you shoot him with, he's surrounded with shooters and he thrives to just, you know, go the exact opposite route. And in some cases with guys that have clearly antagonized him in his entire career. So, I mean, that's, you know, you do you. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, I, I didn't get the, uh, the free agency decision. I understand it, like, to, to some extent with a guy like, well, especially Rondo, actually, just because for all of his locker room faults, like, there are certain places where he just fits in incredibly well. Like, they loved him in New Orleans, and they thought that he was an incredible leader and, like, you know, really just kept the young guys focused. And I think he could, you know, I think it seems like he is doing that for the Lakers. Um, and, you know, he just shares so many potential traits with Lonzo that I I got that one. Didn't get any of the other ones. That's, you know, that was, I don't know. I don't know. I just, and like, it's kind of, it's kind of coming to, to fruition that, that, you know, those are those are bad decisions for sure. At the same time, like you also understand why they signed guys to only one year deals. And then once you're doing that, maybe you're just picking from a different pool of talent than everybody else's, right? Yeah, like, I think that I think that hurt them too. Like the fact that they have to they're trying to save their cap space. I mean they haven't I don't think they made any secret about that. They, they, that's right. what they want to do. They want to bring in a second star, but you know, you're talking about the, the fits that, that he has with him. Like I watch the Lake, you know, every Lakers game and I'm watching him and I'm like, what are they doing? Especially in the half court. They don't, they don't have much movement. It's usually just a high screen and roll for the ball carrier. Most of the time it's been LeBron. Uh, lately it's been a lot of Ingram taking the ball off the top and, and he's been struggling. I, I think that's where Luke's getting a bit of a, like, a, Oh, you know, no, people aren't paying enough attention to it in the sense that in, in today's NBA, yeah, if you want to have a guy kind of running things and, and isoing off the top like Houston does with Harden, 
but at least they have shooters there in the, in the corners that can shoot the three. It's like the Lakers are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, and, and that's the way the league's been going for three or four seasons now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's another thing. It kind of goes back to 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 the signings, but to to the point on Ingram, it's it is tough to to blame Walton for you know the inconsistencies of a young player. Especially, I do think that the, that sometimes they could just get him in better situations. He clearly isn't ready to handle the ball to the extent that he has been doing as of late. But at the same time, you know, LeBron's out and. It's also good for him to get his reps and just getting him in those situations where he does have space is, I think, good. But they should, I don't know, they should just run him off screens a lot more than they do just because he has, like, he clearly has a length advantage. He has a first step advantage. But he, you know, he just, if you just give him a little bit extra, like, he's kind of going to just get to the rim and, you know, just, I guess, encourage him not to, to fall into those, like, kind of sleepy fade- fadeaways that he, that he sometimes does. Yeah, well, I think and, like, I, I'm just, so happy you said that. Pains. Those are just uh, growing pains, you know. Like that's that's what that's what happens with young guys, and you know, the, the take on him has always been that he he can be a little bit, a little bit too passive. So if you get him into a little more situations where he has like actively has to do something, I think you know you erase some of that. But yeah, I mean, I just I don't know if yeah, it's partially Luke. Like you know, like get him into uh, into some better situations, but that's also not like. That's a tactical mistake that you can kind of find on any other any team. Yeah, but I, I think you're you're 100 right. Like you hit the nail on the head with they should be running him off some more screens. Even you're setting him some staggers, some double screens off the wing where you're getting him open more because he's been pretty effective from the. I know the mid range is is statistically the worst shot in basketball, but that's where that's to me has been his bread and butter. Yeah, and well, the thing is when you're when you're developing a young guy, it's not about let's force him into these spots where he's going to potentially be the most efficient. It's about giving him something that he can kind of always go to when he's struggling. Like you just have to have an anchor a lot of the time, not every young player. I think everybody's different, but just to be able to stay on the court, to be able to kind of find like, you know, you're just lost in the storm sometimes when you're out there and to be able to find like that thing that you always do. Like, like who's most player that has that? Like, you know, just he's, he's a guy that will just find a place to be he doesn't necessarily need too much to to get him there just because I think he's like he's just a very versatile scorer but with Ingram just to kind of consistently get him into those sets when he's not necessarily feeling when he gets off to a rougher start you kind of be like okay okay I'm in the rhythm of this game now I've come off a few staggers I took a jumper this time I drove to the rim this time and you know the other time I might have like you know, faded or whatever, or like, you know, sometimes there's no room protection. You just get a dunk. Like you just kind of go get to do that stuff over and over again. Just also that puts him in a situation where he might just be like, okay, now I get to make more decisions. I get to discern what type of shot I'm taking or if I'm even taking a shot, like just to consistently get him in a situation where he, where he can actually put the defense in a tough spot is I think just going to be so important to his development. Yeah, and those three are like Ingram, uh, Kuz, as you mentioned, who I think has been very good. I'd say about 70% of the game so far this season, especially just before LeBron got hurt. He really looked like he was trying to find a fit with him. Like he was, he's yeah. awesome at cutting back door and, and, and knowing when to read the defense. And he's great at spotting up in the corner. But, you know, with Ingram, Ingram pardon me, and Lonzo, it's, it's been a mixed bag almost. Like it's been like 70-30 that they haven't been good even when, when mm-hmm. LeBron's been uh, in the lineup. And, and uh, you know, speaking of Lonzo, he's like a lightning rod for Lakers fans, right? You have half the right. faction who love him, half the faction are just like, trade him right away, we don't want him here. And it's like, 
you know, Magic Johnson did say, hey, this dude's going to break all my records at his introductory press conference, which I don't think helped. But um, when you look at his, his season so far, how do you think he's grown, if anything, uh, playing in his second season? Yeah, can we just, by the way, like, before we get into that, do a little note on the Magic John- Johnson, like, adding pressure to these young players. Thing. Like, when, like, when he said that Ingram needs to be, like, not needs to be, that he expects him to average over 20 points, which would have doubled his, his, uh, his average from last year. Just like, he, well, these guys are already so young. They're already <laughs> playing with LeBron James. They're already going to be in every trade rumor all season. Can we just dial it down a little bit for them? Like, can they, can they breathe? You know, I just don't think they need more pressure. They don't need more expectations. Like, it just, it's just a lot to, to put on them. And, you know, I think maybe, like, that obviously, like, that, that worked for, for for a guy like Johnson who thrived under Pat Riley and, like, you know, just walked in the door and knew who he was. But these guys, these guys don't. Like, they need they need a lot more time. And, yeah, like, to the point of Lonzo, I I... I I tend to think the Lakers should trade him, not because I don't believe in him, but just because I think that for him to develop the way that he needs to, he can't be playing alongside LeBron James on the tail end of his career trying to win championships. Like, he's just, he he needs to figure out, just the type of game he has needs him handling the ball over and over again and you know, not necessarily, it's not like he's a ball-dominant player, but just getting a feel of what it's really like to, to run an offense on his own. And there's a world in which it works. And there's times that it works really well, and it honestly looks, like, beautiful when they run in transition. And, you know, like, it's, like, somebody gets a rebound, and immediately they're they're up the floor. But that's also, that's only one part of Lonzo's skill set. And yeah, there's, right. so, I... there's so much more to him than just being the guy that, I mean, obviously he thrives in transition, but just for his own development, like it just, I just don't know if this is the right situation. Yeah, he when he gets the ball as the main outlet guy, like off the first pass, he he's phenomenal. The way he runs the mm-hmm. break, he has, you know, his court vision's obviously I, I think second to none in the NBA. But you're right, I, I it's almost like even with these three, like Kuz to me is the best fit because he doesn't need the ball in his hands at all. Like he's fine. Yeah. All right, I'm a shooter. I can get some open hoops by cutting back door when the defense falls asleep. But like Ingram and Ball, it's almost like it's it's not good for their career, like you said, and not good for their development going forward. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to have to adjust because the pressure of playing with the best player in the league and, and one of the top maybe two or three, depending who you ask, greatest players of all time, I, I don't know how much that's going to yeah. be for them going forward either. Yeah, it's actually it's a kind of kind of a cruel irony because like the reason that you kind of wish they were somewhere else is because they have a higher ceiling than Kuzma does. Like, Kuzma almost already knows what he is, and, like, what he's going to be can develop under the framework of, of playing with LeBron and probably develop better. Like, he knows when to pop. He knows when to roll. He occasionally, like, you know, he'll exploit a, a mismatch and can kind of, you know, operate from anywhere on the floor in, like, a, not in an elite sense, but, you know, if, if he's got – if the gravity is somewhere else, like, he'll kind of know where to go. And he's, he's a really smart offensive player. And – he can continue to get better in in that sense, and you know, just don't really expect him to to be anything more than like a better version of what he's already kind of developing into. But with with Lonzo and Ingram, it's just like it's such a blank slate, and you think it's going to be good, but you don't know what it is, and it's just it's a very uh, I guess confined framework in which to develop. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be the that's going to be the the tough part for them going forward. And Ingram has, you know, earlier in the season said, no, uh, you know, while well, he was suspended, and he he's like, oh, I, I kind of noticing that I need to move the ball faster and be a little bit yeah. uh, make be more decisive, really, in the offensive end. But uh, you know, especially without LeBron, I, I was thinking, all right, this is going to be a chance for him to break out and, and start putting up some better numbers and be more efficient, especially shooting the basketball. And you haven't seen it. And to me, it's like it's it's concerning for the Lakers going forward because coming into the season. The big talk was, hey, you know what? We're going to put LeBron with Lonzo Ingram and, and mm-hmm. Kuzma. They played well at the end of last season. And all of a sudden, they're going to be like a, a top four or five seed this year. And you're not seeing any development. And like, like you said, I think Kuz knows what he is at this point, And you might see him improve slightly going forward. But he'll have a good few years in the league. But yeah. for Ingram and Ball, where the ceiling was a bit higher, I don't know if they're ever going to reach it playing with LeBron. I don't know. I think for Ingram, it might be a little bit different. I think Because I, th- I think Ingram could be a guy that's just kind of suited to be to be kind of a third option for for a while just because I think he's still he's still figuring out what his body is too like that's that's a big part of it I think for him and he's only 21 years old so just for him to kind of find that part and we're just we're just not patient anymore with stuff like this at all we're kind of the internet social media age right I mean, I, I mean, at the same time, I think I think Ingram's like you know had some good performances in it. My, my biggest concern is just that his three point shot has not gotten better. Like that, I thought, especially playing aside next next to LeBron, would have, and you know that is definitely that to me is a is a bigger issue than than a lot of it because I think that would just open open a lot of stuff up for him as well. And I think in the long run, I think in the long run, he's going to be okay. I think it'll slow his development and, you know, hopefully not stunt it too much. But yeah, I think some of that is probably inevitable, but I think, I think he'll, I think he'll get there. And I mean, will he get, like, will he get there as a Laker? I don't know, but I think, I think he could, I think he could. I'm more concerned about Lonzo in, in that regard. What do you think? Okay. I'll put you on the spot here. Out of, out of, the, <laughs> out of, out of the three of them, Ingram, Ball, and Kuz, you have to keep one on the team, and it's you uh-huh. know let's just say it's for five years. Which one of them would you pick, and why? Well, I think you keep Kuz just because he's more valuable to you than he is to anybody else. Because you need to win now. Yeah. And he's you know he's ready to contribute. Go right now. It's yeah. tough to. S- I I'd go with Lonzo. I j- I, I, I you keep Lonzo. Lonzo? Yeah, or? I just think he's I, I think he's gonna like the way when I see him play. Um, he is a type of game that you could bring in another superstar and I think it'll help him more. Whereas with, I mean, Kuz to me is, is, is a damn good basketball player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He might even have a couple of all-star seasons in him, but he doesn't have superstar potential. I'm, I'm not saying Lonzo's ever going to score 25 a game cause that's not the way he plays. But I mean, I think he's a guy who can put up, you know, six, 14, 15, 10 and 10 a night. And, right. and if you have that next to a guy like uh, next to a guy like LeBron for three more seasons, but he's got to develop. And, and, and I think that's been the, the, the frustration for Lakers fans is yeah. it, it almost seems like he doesn't care to play in his shooting percent. You know, the free throw line. I mean, I think I can hit a better free throw percentage than Lonzo can. And that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> but if you look at, you know, look at them as a team, uh, to me, he's just going to be a better fit going forward because he has so many more dimensions to his game that fit better with LeBron. Yeah. So I mean, when I when I said keeping Kuz, it also was w- like with the thought in mind that you get more when you uh, when you trade Lonzo and uh, and Ingram. I don't think he's like the best prospect out of them. It's just kind of like thinking about the way that Open trades the work. And I think, yeah, I th- I think honestly, the three point shot is a big one for me, just because 
it's become very reductive with this. Like, if you just if you can't shoot in the modern NBA, like I don't I don't know what you're doing. You're not winning a championship. It's just so to me, like that's just not a good place to start, especially from a point guard position. And yeah. it just you know you just look at you just look at the last you know five years in the playoffs. It just you just don't make it very far when you have liabilities like that. We haven't even seen what that'll look like in the playoffs yet, but it's not going to look pretty. Like, it'll look like, I mean, it'll look like the Christmas game when LeBron was like, who's Draymond Green? (laughs) I've never seen that guy in my life. And it'll probably honestly look a little bit worse than that because Draymond's, like, got more more height and, you know, at least, like, some is a a threat when he has the ball in his hands just to the extent, like, that he can... I guess, like, obviously Lonzo can can make plays too. So I you know I take I take back that second part for sure. But like that's that's kind of how he's going to be treated in the playoffs. I think, and it's just it's just rough if he can't shoot anymore. There's really just no there's no there's no nuance to it at this point. Like you just if you can't shoot, you're just not going to be playable in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's more and of a mental, no more... mental thing with him right now. Like, it, it, it probably Is gets it... to his head. I think so. I mean, I'm watching Is him play because it... his stroke is just... great. It's kind of ugly. You know what I mean? Don't get, I think that's yeah. what I'm like, slandering. I, mean, I know it used to work, stuff. so I get it. I get, like, you know, it was obviously it clearly, like, it made him into a great shooter before he was in the NBA. So I, I understand the impulse to stick with it, but. Change it up, right? Go underhand. Do the, do the yeah. work. Well, he, here's what I was thinking about this, actually. Um. So Lonzo clearly has great muscle memory because, like, he built himself. In, it was a weird shot, but he built himself into a consistent shooter. He did the same thing over and over again to the point where he was a 40% shooter with, from anywhere. He had great range. So he has, like, his brain has that part down. And I think that's the hardest part. So if he was to change his form, he's probably scared to change his form because, I mean, he has to rebuild his shot over again. But I think he would have a head start over, you know, a different type of guy who is trying to build a shot from, from nothing. I don't think he would start at the same disadvantage. And he's also been a shooter. He knows what space looks like. He knows, you know, when he can get a shot off, when he can't. Like, he, he understands that. Like he's not going to look awkward spotting up like a lot of guys who get into, into three-point shooting do. So I think if he was to change it up, I don't think that it would be, like, this long, drawn-out process, which is probably what he's afraid of. And that, and that is my armchair neurological analysis of, uh, of Longer Ball's <laughs> Yeah, you broke it down pretty nicely. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't start at the Staples Center, people are going to turn on him fast, because they were, they were getting pissed on, uh, against Chicago on, uh, on Sunday night. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be pissed off to have to be inside the building for that one, too. <laughs> Uh, if people don't know, C-Rat's actually based in, in Toronto, She's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is a big city in Canada. For those of you who don't know anything about Canadians, which I've also noticed living here, uh, surprisingly, not, not a lot of depth in, in the knowledge about w- what goes on in, in Canada. Some of the people don't even know where Toronto is, but uh, that's a topic for another day. Um, how do you think Kawhi's been looking in, with the Raptors? And if you were a, guessing, a betting person right now, do you think he's going to stay there or is he going to bounce? Ooh, I'm gonna piss off the entire organization right now. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say. It's hard to say whether he's gonna stay or not. I think he looks really good right now. I think like he's he hasn't gotten his athleticism completely back, but he looks a lot more comfortable in the game and he's making a lot more plays. And you know, he's he's getting to his spots either easier. And, and the strength actually, he he came back and he was immediately the strength was there. But I think it's even showing more now. 
And yeah, I think he had, I mean, yesterday he had a great game. I mean, Kyrie ended up having a better game, but, uh, you know, it's, he's really, he's, it's just so nice to, to watch somebody and know that they're an actual honest to God superstar. Just, just not really a feeling that, that has, uh, has been prevalent in, in Toronto for a long time. So I think sometimes I just catch myself watching. I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. You just kind of can have, uh, have faith. Uh, to the point of him staying, I think it, it's completely dependent on what happens in the playoffs. I think I think he likes it a reasonable amount. Like it's kind of it's it's a it's an it's not an environment that is dissimilar to the Spurs. It's a very serious kind of workmanlike organization. The guys are young, but they're not like there's like there's not really a lot of goofballs, I guess, and they're all just these guys that love basketball and don't really care that much for anything else. I guess that wasn't really like this. I mean, I think pop made a, made a big effort to make sure everybody was kind of like worldly, I guess, but they don't really, you know, they don't really care too much for media attention. Like it's, there, there are definitely a lot of similarities and they're trying to build a good culture in Toronto, obviously, as everybody knows, like that's been the whole mandate for Masai Ujiri has been the culture reset and, you know, trying to just make uh, make the Raptors a respectable team, which I think he's done. So just time will tell if he, if it's the type of team that can get a superstar to stay. But, you know, I, I think they've done all they can up to this point. And, you know, it's just all going to – I think it's all going to come down to the playoffs. Like, if I think if, if uh, they make the finals, there's a shot he stays. And if they don't – I I personally prob I would seriously question it. Really, just you because, think it's dependent on that? Yeah, I think so. I think just to see, well, because I think so many of the Raptors' questions come down to how they'll perform in the playoffs. It's like the the psyche of this team is is just so shot from the postseason. So I think that would just probably answer a lot of the questions that the Kawhi has, and then also just being able to say, okay, like we we didn't do it this year, but this is your first year. Like probably do it down the line and these young guys will be a year better. I think it's just, I guess it's like kind of a, a psychological thing of if they lose in the Eastern conference finals, whatever team they lose to is only getting better the next year. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Cause if it's Philly so if you're or, Kawhi or Boston, and they yeah. lose, you're kind of like, uh, I mean, what am I going to like, do I really expect this team to get better? So you're a fan. You're you were a fan of the DeRozan Kawhi trade because I saw some people who are Raptors fans being like, "How could you trade DeRozan?" It's like, well, I'll tell you why because he's not half the player that Kawhi is overall. That you know, that's my opinion on. It. I think DeRozan's a, a very good basketball player, but you're not winning a championship with him as your main option. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird. It's a weird situation. It's kind of similar to the KC one, where okay, this is the most important player in franchise franchise history, and then you have the winningest coach in franchise history. It was actually the best coach in franchise history. And, you know, it's the best that you've done before, but it's not enough to win a championship. So I think it's a, it's a weird position if those are your ambitions. Because I think that a lot of the times a fan base is happy as long as things seem to be on the up and up or, like, the best they've ever been, which is clearly the case. But, you know, the, the front office wants a championship. And that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that's uh, they they got. I mean, LeBron just took their soul those <laughs> in the playoffs, right? Like that, he's gone. But and people were saying, yeah, well, but the Boston would off. have, you know, yeah, they, just... they weren't going to win with 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 the Demar as the as the number one guy. Yeah. 
Um, another another thing I want to touch on with you too, uh, Anthony Davis. Like the the Pelicans kind of came out today and said they're basically going to do everything to keep him. And I read a couple of articles that stated, well, if if he wants to leave, he's going to have to force us to trade him. Uh, do you think he'll ulti- ultimately end up leaving New Orleans, or do they have any shot of him being a Pelican long term? Uh, I don't. I don't think. I mean, it just it just doesn't seem like his concerns are money, and he's been with his franchise for so long, and they've had all the opportunity in the world to build a team around him that works. They completely botched it. They made short term moves this entire time. It's just the corollary with with LeBron's first seven years in Cleveland is just like. I don't know. It's just so spot on, I think. And yeah, to me, like, I just, I would, I mean, I don't know anything in this particular regard, but like, it's, I would be surprised if he stayed. There's a whole world out there for Anthony Davis, you know, there's a world that's a better market and a better organization that's more stable and, you know, you know, funds its, uh, its its health side and is, you know, there's endorsements and there's a chance to, to, to really build a legacy. And I just, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think any amount of money is enough to, to make a guy like him pass that up. You think that he, you know, I, I think to, to me, he wants to win. And, and, yeah. you know, there's obviously people are drawing the, the correlation between the fact that he signed on with, with clutch and he's rich Paul's right. agent now. And that means he's coming to the Lakers. But I mean, to me, I always say this too, when people ask like, I think the Celtics are a way bigger threat to get Anthony Davis than the Lakers are right now. Because what are you going to say? Hey, take Ingram and Lonzo off our hands? And, you know, like, that's not going to be enough to even get the conversation started at the way they're playing. Well, I just, I just wonder if they'd even trade him. And, and if they do, like, what, what's the return on this short of a rental? Because I think ultimately, the, the thing is, you don't have long enough to really convince him of anything unless, like, you go on to the finals and win. But I think it's a different story, which I guess, I mean, I, I, honestly, if the Celtics made a deal for him, like, that's probably what would happen. But, I mean, that's, that's, really, that's really the thing that you're betting on. So I don't know how many teams would really want to bet their young assets on something like that when he, he's about to become available, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I also look at it, I'm like the Pelicans, and if you look at the NBA historically, it's like if you're sitting in 7th and 8th in the conference or ninth or 10th, like, you're not getting better because you're not winning the lottery, chances are. Um, so what's the point in, in, in getting a, a return, you know, for getting 80 cents on the dollar and trying to be semi-competitive the next year? You're better off just bottoming out and, and trying to get a higher pick. So I, I think the Pelicans, if he's going to walk, maybe try and get some first-round picks and maybe a young player. But there's no point in trying to get established guys because you're not going to be better off long-term. Right, you're not. And the other thing with, like, another team trading for him is just, like, I think one of the reasons you're not going to convince him is because, you know, Anthony Davis finally gets to make a decision yeah right and to have somebody trade for you and then make that decision or try to make that decision for you i just don't know how that would sit yeah i think that's going to be that that's going to be the huge the huge thing for him going forward is all right i mean because i think loyalty doesn't mean anything in the nba and as i've gotten older i i totally like when i was a younger sports fan it was like the athlete should stay with them. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, man, do you and, and do what's best for your career because you don't owe these people anything. They treat you like a commodity too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the past few years with the, with the trades that have been made have completely highlight that from DeMar to Blake Griffin to Isaiah Thomas. Like, it's just, it's very clear that there is, 
you know, we've always known that there's no loyalty and it's all a business, but just with, uh, with how pointed some of these deals have been, it's, it's just becoming very clear. Like it's like, you just can't argue, argue it anymore and you can't begrudge any player for, for not trusting any organization. I was happy to see Blake. Uh, I know he said he, it was part of his routine and whatever, but come on, man, you could you still could have shook his hand and you didn't. You went out of your way to do that, and he was right to do it too. If, if you give, yeah, I'll do you, Blake, man. Just like just completely <laughs> roasted them as well. Like that was that was awesome. That was good to see. Well, as I mentioned off the start, um, you just signed on with Yahoo and you came over from SB Nation, which runs our podcast network, and you've been uh, writing about the NBA for quite a while. Graduated from the University of Alberta up in Canada. Um, how did you get into being a basketball writer? I uh, I started writing about basketball when I was in my first year of university. I started a blog, you know, started a little blog, just get some traffic. And I started just tweeting. I made a Twitter. Well, I, I had a Twitter. I've had, I've, seriously, I mean, if anybody really hates me, like, I've had Twitter since grade nine. And it's, <laughs> I'm, I've probably said some stuff. Uh, just kidding. I'm going to go do some all. digging on you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you scrubbed it nobody all out ahead of time? Nobody looked. There's not... <laughs> <laughs> let's just cut this let's just cut this whole thing um <laughs> yeah so I started uh I started writing when I was my first year and I started the blog and I got on Twitter and it was it was kind of the perfect time I th- I think because it was right when blogs were starting to get legitimized like I think I think that summer the next summer was like when you know summer league like they like they would credential you to to go to to go to summer league and you know some teams were credentialing bloggers somewhere and uh you know it started to become a place where i think editors for some sites really started to look at it like oh we can actually find like some really talented writers on here so from there i uh i was blogging for my own site and i was just starting to like talk to people and like you know just different people from like i don't know it's like too deep a cut, but like from like hardwood paroxysm, and I was writing on fan sided like the blog network, and uh, I was writing about the Bulls, and you know I just kind of moved on to like more legitimized blogs than the one that I ran, and eventually that one was just like defunct. It was only like really a couple articles for me to like get my stuff out there. So then I started blogging on the True Hoop Network, with like hardwood paroxysm and Clipper Blog, and. Clipper blog was run by uh, the great Kevin Arnovitz, who was, uh, you know, just like an awesome person to uh, to be able to to meet when when you're just starting out, and you know, he's just a great guy. You're saying that he you've uh, you've had him on before as well, so yeah, I'm sure the yeah. listens, listeners are familiar with him, and he he ran that site, and then from there, I I, I wrote, I guess for for a couple of years, I can't I can't remember now, but then I started freelancing. I think probably two years before I graduated, it was all just part time, like just places like Sports on Earth, and uh, like that was the first place I ever. I always remember that one. It was the first place I ever got paid to to write about basketball, so that was awesome. <laughs> you got a seven dollar check and you were thrilled, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever it was, it's like it's still you know you oh, finally to, to get anything. You're like, wow, okay, this, this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just freelance part time throughout school and. You know, eventually when I graduated, I was like, all right, you know what, let's, let's see what happens. Let's, uh, let's uh, make this move. So I, I moved last year to Toronto and was freelancing for uh, up, until, up until the finals. And then that's when I started with SB Nation and then Yahoo after that. 
do, do people like uh, for a lot of people sit there and say, "Wow, you know, sports media, it's, it's such an easy job." It's like, dude, it's one of it's to me one of the hardest fields in 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 North America to make it in because it's so highly competitive. Like, do people not understand how much work it takes to even get to level where, where you're at right now? Uh, I mean, honestly, any job that you like is going to be hard, right? Like, you just you don't. I don't think that you get to make the trade off of doing fulfilling work while also working like regular hours at the same time like that's just the deal and that's I think that's with any profession no matter what you do and if or if it's something where you do eventually get to work minimal hours it's because you have to go to school forever like I just I just think that there's always going to be something right so to me like I don't I don't even like to look at it like that just because I think well just that trade-off and just I mean it's it's just like working in sports is just like you just get to live out your adolescence forever like yeah the hours can be annoying and like you, you're often you're at the whims of of forces the one thing the, 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 that's the one thing i don't like is like i just I, I don't like that i can't be in control of everything all the time which is like you can as a writer but as a reporter you just can't and that's 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 the one thing i struggle with more than anything else but uh was probably just has so I just probably gave up, gave away so much psychologically there that in, in that one <laughs> sentence. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's I get to, get to get to do this as a job and to actually wake up and, you know, want to work is, is cool. And I don't I don't mind the fact that, you know, I, I work more than some of the people around me. It's just that that's that's a trade off that you make. And I think I think it applies to a lot of industries. Yeah, even working in in radio and stuff like uh, for Sportsnet back home, like I was covering the Canucks, and and to me it was like it, it didn't feel like work in the in the beginning. But I had some days on on game days where I had to go to the rink at at nine in the morning for the morning skate, and I'd be like, oh man, you know, I'd, I'd rather sleep in. But at the same time, once I get there, I'm like, well, right. this, this, this is better than sitting at a desk and 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 working in finance, which I did before too, and I couldn't stand. That's what motivated me to get into this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's. Like and nothing's better than just doing nothing, right? Like, yeah, you, know, you can't beat that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you look at it as a whole, do you think there's enough uh, progress been made, kind of just to get more women involved in sports media, or do you think there's still a ways to go? I think there's still still a ways to go. I mean, I, there's obviously been more women working in sports media than ever before, and I think it's you know for the players, they're they're used to it now, right? Like it's not really a thing. I think there were so many women before my time that were trailblazers and just, you know, walked into a locker room and did have to kind of go through feeling uncomfortable and did have to go through remarks like, oh, like, you know, there's a woman in this locker room. Oh, God, oh like, better, you know, grab my towel or whatever, like, whatever discriminatory thing that you're going to say or immature thing that you're going to say. That That is not something I've experienced, and that's probably because of the generation before. But at the same time, I still think there's, there's so much progress to be made and like, especially, especially for, for women of color and, uh, you know, specifically actually like for, for black women, I don't think there's enough black women in, in media and, and especially in NBA media at all. And I, especially like from, from the point of view of, but of the perspective that they'd be able to give the game, I, I think is, is missing and, uh, just missing from the, the conversation, I guess, and that needs to be, I think that needs to be righted. And it's probably more of a, uh, I mean, I think I, I definitely, I don't want to, I don't want to absolve the people making, making hires, but uh, I think it's definitely like an issue that starts from a very, very young age. You have to be pretty privileged to, to get into media. 
in the first place. Like you have to be able to be the type of person who is able to to take a chance and uh, and have a fallback and you know not have to work the type of job that won't allow you to to do something on the side. And you know, there's just there's just so many so many boundaries to it, and like just you know, traveling, networking, things that you kind of have to pay out of pocket for, things that you need support for, and uh, it's just you know, it, it like it's just down to internships, and uh, I guess being like a lot of it just comes down to being willing to work for free, and I just think that's that's the biggest uh, thing holding it back for sure, and I don't I don't think we're close to be honest. I mean, it's it's nice to see more visibility and. It's definitely nice to see more voices, but I just think there's so much, uh, so much more left to do. Well, you know what? Like, uh, legit saying this, you, you, you're, you're a big example too. I mean, there's a lot of because you know we're both, we're both Indian uh, for people who didn't know, and and there's not a lot of Indian women in sports media. There is back home in media, but uh, it, it's good to see someone, uh, you know, from back home doing so well. And 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 congrats again on getting on the gig with uh, Yahoo. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, C-Rat, thanks for coming on again tonight. You can follow her at C-Rat Sohi. Uh, don't forget, check us out as well at Lakers FBN and go to silverscreenenroll.com. We have you covered with everything Lakers, Harrison, Christian, Anthony, the entire crew, uh, writing and putting up content daily. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast network. You can check us out on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Uh, that's it for this episode. The Lakers about to tip off against OKC. I'll catch you all next week.